0: Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game Mobile app and online at 1037TheGame.com. It is a Saints touchdown! This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're gonna win! Be- Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this
1: kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. How are you? So great to be with you on this Friday, baby. June 10th, the year 2022. My main man, James Mesh, back in the Master Control suite. In the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also in Lake Charles, 1041. Streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in the Acadiana area, we're even on TV as we're simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS. Fiber. hope everybody's having a great, great day. Um, And could this be a harbinger of things to come? Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida will officially join the Big 12 on July 1st, 2023. So they will play Big 12 football in the year 2023 after reaching an exit agreement with the American Athletic Conference. What does this mean for Oklahoma and Texas, who are tentatively planned to depart for the SEC in 2025? If they stay in the Big 12 through 2025, the Big 12 would have 14 teams for two seasons. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Absolutely not. It just, I mean, the handwriting is on the wall. And of course, it all depends on the dollars. According to the term sheet, Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida will each pay $18 million to exit the American. The schools had been paying a $10 million exit fee in four annual payments through 2024, and they agreed to pay an additional $8 million, spread over 12 payments from 2025 to 2036, to leave in 2023. So things are negotiable, right? They are negotiable. The American is adding UAB, Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, Rice, and UT San Antonio from Conference USA. Those schools are expected to begin play in the conference next year. Um, this this just leads me to believe more so than ever that that 2025 deal is a pipe dream. That is not going to happen. The, <laughs> Oklahoma, Texas are coming, and I think they're trying to work out the negotiation process that's favorable and can be agreeable on both parties, and they're going to get out of Dodge. With the television rights for the SEC, Uh, And everything like that, if they spread that thing out over the course of years, it'll be a drop in the proverbial bucket either way. So big, big announcement, not only affecting the Big 12 today, but I think certainly will affect the SEC as well. Our guest list today, Matthew Bruni, will join us here in about uh, 10 minutes. Uh, LSU's got um, football has camps going on. Lots of. Louisiana top prospects will be on the campus today and are on campus today. Uh, This morning, there was another offensive lineman, defensive lineman camp, as well as a seven-on-seven camp. Arch Manning and his Newman Greenies uh, brought their seven-on-seven team. So we'll get a report on that with Matthew Bruni. Larry Holder will join us as we... Uh, Prepare for the New Orleans Saints and yet another, uh, well, their first mandatory mini camp next week. Uh, We'll share Larry's thoughts on the Saints and other items around the NFL. It's game four of the NBA Finals tonight with, uh, of course, the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Boston with a two games to one advantage. Game four tonight, eight o'clock start from TD Garden in Beantown. Um, big opportunity for Boston. Boston wins this one up three to one. That's uh, it's almost insurmountable. Not many teams have lost that. Of course, Golden State did lose it to LeBron and Cleveland a few years back. Uh, Golden State needs to figure out a way. Steph Curry says he's good to go. We'll have a report on that, and we'll talk all things NBA with Rafe Radler in hour number two. Georgie Faust will join us. Um, there's a new softball champion in baseball as the dominant factor, that is Oklahoma, beat their arch rival in Texas two games to none. They won the, the final game and to to win the Women's College World Series. By a score of 10 to 5, they just hit home runs after home runs after home runs, set some kind of a record uh, for that. Just um ridiculous how good they are. Uh, they they are the powerhouse. They end the year fifty-nine and three. Fifty-nine and three. So we'll talk all things Acadiana Kadiana. Uh, with Georgie Faust and then George Becknell will join James Mesh and I and we'll predict uh, game four of the NBA Finals. We'll try to pick a winner uh, of the Belmont Stakes and various and sundry topics along the way. So there you have it. That is our lineup for today. Uh, We are brought to you uh, by DC's Little Capital Exxon, right there, I-10 at the Henderson-Cecilia exit. Uh, Frankie is a huge sports fan. He's got a great establishment. He's got that soul food deli tucked away in the corner. I'm telling you, the food is fresh. The food is hot to order. Uh, Their cheeseburger, generally regarded as one of the best in the world. you got to taste it to believe it. DC's Little Capital Exxon, right next to DC's Lucky Capital In case you decide you want to test your luck, um, please be advised to do it properly, smartly within your means, Uh, but have fun. And that's what DC's Little Capital Exxon and DC's Lucky Capital are all about. Frankie would love to say hello to you. He's got a great staff, um, a, a, a store filled to the rim, very nicely, very easy to find with great products. Um, everything you need for your snacks, your car ride, they've got everything at DC's Little Capital Exxon. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, So again, lots of recruits coming on board today, and we'll see one of those that are in hot pursuit of is the Uh, regarded as the number three prospect in the state, and that's safety Derek Williams of Westgate High in New Iberia. He reportedly visited earlier this week to LSU, Alabama, Texas A&M, Miami, and Clemson are in hot pursuit of this five-star prospect. So um, you've got all of these things happening uh, Arch Manning is regarded as the number one prospect in the state. The quarterback from Newman wide receiver, Shelton Sampson, Jr. from Catholic high and Baton Rouge is regarded as the number two rated recruit in the state. And then comes, um, Derek Williams of Westgate high. So, uh, recruiting never slows down, never stops, never ends. So these camps are a great opportunity for tiger coaches and other coaches around the state who come to visit and watch and observe to get eyes on where they can see for themselves. And a lot of times offers follow very, very shortly, if not on the spot. So big, big day, very important day for LSU football and all the other schools, uh, in the state that have been invited to attend these, uh, sessions. Uh, did you know that it's the game's birthday? It really is. Hard to believe it's been 10 years. Hard to believe this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd. There'll be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles personalities, including Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, who will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd from uh, 5 to 9 p.m. for the game's 10th birthday bash. What kind of wings do y'all like to eat? Uh, I make my own wings with my own special sauce, but I like that sweet hot sauce, sweet heat. I like that uh, a lot. And just reading that makes me famished since I've had nothing to eat today and uh, I'm getting hungry. So anyway, all right. Um, glad you are here with us. It's a Friday edition. The Jordy Helbert Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. We'll come back and we'll talk about what's happening in Tigertown. As we shift our focus, baseball's in the rearview mirror. We're looking straight ahead, football right down the barrel as believe it or not we are about what 86 days away from lsu versus florida state september 4th 6 30 p.m right here on the game inside caesar's superdome we will be right back <music> They
0: say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg show on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, welcome back. Um, busy, busy day on the LSU campus. Lots of top. Prospects um, for some LSU football camps. Um, he has been kind enough to duck out to join us to kind of fill us in on what he has seen, and that, of course, is Matthew Bruni, who covers the Tigers for Go Two Four Seven. Matthew, thank you so much. Um, I greatly appreciate. It. Are these are they doing these camps outside or indoors?
2: Uh, the seven on seven ones are outside and then the off O line D line ones are, are indoors. So yeah, I've, I've been okay. bouncing between. I, I sent uh sunny ship and Glenn West. I sent them out to the seven on seven to start. So they were in the heat. I was in the, <laughs> I was inside. So I <laughs> all right. worked that kind out. Of for all our they're, they're listeners. And v-
1: okay. Well, that's smart of you for all our listeners and viewers kind of fill us in on what you have seen so far what has impressed you
2: um so I guess we could, if we start with the seven on seven uh obviously Arch Manning out there that's the big that's the right. big name um, number one quarterback in the in the class 2023 obviously a lot of um, pool from Georgia Texas you know Alabama uh, but obviously in Louisiana and so you know the, the staff is able to talk to him a lot, get a lot of relationships there. And uh, even if it doesn't work out, I think they're giving it a good, you know, a good try. They're giving it their, their best. So we'll How's see if, look? how that plays out. How does yeah, he but, look out um, there? Yeah, but Arch, uh, he, he looked good. He's looked really good. I mean, you could just tell he has the accuracy. He has the arm. It's he's He looks every bit the part of, you know, a five-star guy. And number one player in the country type guy I've I've been real impressed with Arch Manning. I mean even if you just watch his, his film just from last year he's he popped off the screen. Uh the other there are other guys out there like Ricky Collins from Woodlawn who's a four star guy that LSU's been, been um talking to a bit. He's committed to Purdue right now. Um L C A has Jawan Johnson. There's um uh other quarterbacks, there's like thirty teams out there. It's it's very it's a it's a ton. But uh, yeah that's the seven on seven and then the O line D line there's been interesting to watch Brad Davis and uh, Jamar kane You know, talk to these um, 23, 2023s and twenty twenty fours, and even there's a twenty twenty six out there. If you believe it, that's going to be a freshman that is six five, um, and he, uh, jakeem Stewart. He looks just uh, he's he's a monster. So yeah. Anyways, what? it's been a lot of talented guys out there. Next week there'll be another camp that has a lot of talented guys, and so it's been a uh, real. Interesting to, to watch
1: these seven on sevens. How I mean, how long do they last? Um, and did they just do one game, or is it a tournament? How does that work?
2: <laughs> it's a whole process. So they um, they have pool play for the first couple hours. Um, they go in from the forty. For those who don't know, they go in from the forty. Offense versus defense. The teams are allowed to bring in uh, as many as twenty players, like on their team, and then obviously it's just seven on seven but um yeah in from the 40 so they usually split split the field in half and have one uh one group on one side one game on the other and uh yeah you just take you know 30, 30 minutes 20 30 minutes and um they'll they play it and it they did pool play first and now they're getting to tournament play uh this 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 afternoon so that should be starting uh as I'm I was at the offensive line uh o line d line uh, just now so we'll head back over there and see how that finishes up okay
1: Okay. Um, I know Arch has a uh, tight end that LSU's interested in as well. Um, yeah. Heck of Will Randall. If I know his name, but whatever. Right.
2: Yeah, Will Will Randall. Uh, uh should be a, a three star guy. I don't remember his consensus rating, but um, yeah. They they've been linked to him as well, and uh, yeah. It's kind of like you hope that it's one of those things where you hope that maybe if Will is close with Arch Manning, you know, you recruit Will Randall a little bit more, and you. Be like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, maybe Will brings up the there. Hey, LSU's looking pretty good, right? And yeah. you know, you just see how that works out. But yeah, Will Randall's uh, one of the guys that uh, the tight end that he throws to a lot.
1: Do the coaches have the ability, like hands-on coaching these kids and taking them off to the side and doing things individually with them? Is that is that part of the process?
2: During during camp, yes. Yeah, during camps now, seven on seven. I am relatively new to the whole seven on seventeen. So I'm not sure how much is now. They they talk to them as far as they definitely talk to them. How much of it's coaching I don't know, but at the camp uh-huh. it's definitely a lot of coaching. So the o line D line camp I was at earlier uh, this morning had you know Jamar Cain, Matt House, um, you know a lot of the 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 coaching staff was there. I mean, they're, they're definitely pulling guys to the side and you know coaching them up, you know giving them tips here and there. And especially, you know, twenty twenty fours and twenty threes that they're looking at like, hey, you know, this could be a guy that we're in on, they're they're pushing them. You know, I think that's one thing I've you've seen a lot over the past two weeks of camps. It's like if you see the guys that they're interested in just on how engaged they are okay. with them to a degree, you know. So they're trying to see what they're made of, see what they're built, and just see what their uh, their attitude is.
1: So Matthew Bruni, go two four seven. Um, do you see a lot of coaches from other schools around the state uh, in attendance there today.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a it's a big deal for for those coaches. LaTeX, Tech, ULM, you know, ULL. Uh, you go down Southern. You know, there's there's a bunch of Tulane. I know was there too today. Uh, there's there's coaches from all around the state um, there that obviously you know LSU. I mean, let's say there's forty, you know, prospects or you know, 50 prospects that are probably going to play college football, you know, how many of them are going to play at LSU? You know, maybe two, three, you know. So the rest Mm -hmm. of them, you know, if they're three-star guys, I know there was a defensive end today that's committed to La Tech that I was really impressed with three-star guys. So, now, there's definitely a lot of coaches from around the state that are there that get names, you know, get relationships and do the same thing as the LSU coaches, you know, pull them to the side, talk, you know, maybe coach them up a little bit here and there. And it's uh, a – yeah, it's a whole – full ordeal with the coaches across the how, state.
1: How visible is Brian Kelly during all of this? And is he just glued to Newman and their seven-on-seven uh, he's team?
2: He's pretty involved. Uh, he was there last week um, at times, and then this week he was mostly at the seven-on-seven. Seven, but I did see him uh, early on at the O-line, D-line. But he was at the seven-on-seven. Um, seven. He was talking to, talking to Jordan Matthews, the defensive back recruit uh that they've been on uh obviously he's watching arch talking to to the manning and uh figuring that out but no he is present and he is visible and he's talking and active and all that stuff so he knows how important these these camps are
1: are any of the manning first family of football there watching
2: that i did not see i i can't mm-hmm. give you that 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 insight i'm i'm assuming his father uh, would be there, but uh, Cooper. But I'm I'm not sure exactly. Okay. I did not see Eli or, or Peyton there. <laughs> I don't I don't think. But uh, but yeah,
1: I would I would think they have uh, more important things to do than go to a seven on seven camp. Um, but you said he looks the part. He's uh, how, yeah. what does he look like physically? He's a pretty big kid.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's he's good size. I think the thing for me with Arch is. And you kind of saw it a little bit. I, I know. Well, I'm, like as, I'm, as you know, I'm from Texas, so uh, you know I saw Quinn Ewers a lot when he was in Dallas. Um, it's kind of like the ball just kind of pops off their arm, you know. That, and that's all, a lot of the signs of a good quarterback. But he's accurate, uh, physically. I, I think he's talented. He's able to throw on the move, and he's pretty mobile. I've, I've been just really impressed with him. He, he, everything you you know you read about him, you're always like, all right, let me see him in person because. You know, you see it on Huddle or whatever, the highlights. You know, like, right, these are great. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, man, he can he can throw the ball. He's really impressive. So I think LSU will obviously be in on him as long as he's on the market.
1: Yeah, sure, absolutely. Do you see current LSU players out and about? Because, um, uh, you know, some of those are some high-profile athletes that could probably help in the recruiting process as well.
2: Yeah, so a lot of them. Um, so majority of the time today, I was at the uh, the O line D line, especially early. And Will right. Campbell was out there. You know, Miles um, Frazier was out there last week. Uh, Tremont Shorts. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of guys that are out there. Uh, some of them, even Miles Frazier last week, well, looks like he was really enjoying himself coaching. He was doing helping out kids with the drills and helping walking huh. them through it and stuff like that. So. Yeah, you get kids out there that are able to, you know, talk to talk to kids, interact and stuff like that. Um obviously I think it's just a it's a bonus when you get these 2024s sure. and, you know, 25s that are out here just, you know, they can talk to coaches as much as they want, but when they, you know, talk to Will Campbell, you know, it's a little different. You know, you're talking to someone right. that's closer to your age and is like, "Yeah, and you know, we do, this is how we do it here." And so you get a better picture of it. So, awesome. yeah, it's that's definitely how it is at at the camp, 7 on 7 um i wasn't looking for it as much but i don't think it's as prominent but the camp definitely is
1: i mean do they have a lot of teams there for seven on seven
2: i was told i don't know if this is this is correct but i'll say it on your show i was told it's about 30 wow and yeah that that kind of blew my mind but it was a lot of people there so uh i wasn't able to count by hand but uh yeah, I was told thirty, and you know, like I said, they can all bring up to twenty players. So we're talking six hundred wow. at a maximum capacity there.
1: They must, and they were doing they it must, on
2: the intramural field; they weren't on the practice field, so they were able to. They had plenty of space to work with.
1: I got you. It must be a lot of school buses around that. Uh, that oh part yeah. Part of the campus, man. With that many teams, that's uh, that is amazing. All right, Matthew, I, I greatly appreciate your time. I know you got to go back and, and do your job. But thank you for cutting out some time for us. We greatly appreciate the update.
2: Yep, anytime, Jordy.
1: You got it. Matthew Bruni of Go247 Sports. Rescue is coming up Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music fe- featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. There'll be plenty of food, games, even a raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, go to Eventbrite or visit rescuegroup.org. And that's R-E-S-C-Y-O-U group.org. We'll take a timeout here, 28 minutes after the hour, on this Friday, June the 10th. You're listening to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041, Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. After this timeout, Larry Holder of The Athletic, all things NFL and the New Orleans Saints. After this timeout, we'll be right back.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 10th, 1974. In a 12-0 win over Houston, Philadelphia slugger Mike Schmidt hits a public address speaker atop the Astrodome. Instead of a three-run home run, the ball drops onto the turf for a single. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we welcome you back 32 minutes after the hour. Time to bring in our good friend a little bit earlier today, but uh, anytime we can get him, it's always good for us. And that is the NFL writer and columnist for the athletic, the one and only Mr. Larry Holder, who spends most of his summer with a tennis racket in his hand, trying to become a right-handed uh, Rafa Nadal. Hello, Larry Holder. How are you?
3: I'm good, Jordy. I'll tell
4: you what. Yeah, the last, two of the last three weekends when we're supposed to be talking. Uh, well, let's see. One of them, I spent three nights in Lafayette, playing uh, at uh, Oakbourne and playing at Beaver yeah. Park and uh, and Reds Hello. and man, it's uh
1: it's a lovely village, isn't it? And then
4: last weekend uh, I was up in Baton Rouge basically playing on the Brett Courts that uh I remember playing junior tennis on. So it's been uh, uh I, I will say, as a forty two year old guy, uh, I, I probably shouldn't need to be playing that much tennis in the day. And it I, is I played too way too hot. Much in the day.
1: How do you yes. how do you survive the heat?
4: I will tell you what. Uh when we played, oh gosh, three weeks ago, and I played three matches singles matches in a day at Oakbourne and it was uh I won my first two and guess what? I saw the wall, I hit the wall, and just uh yeah, the third match did not go so well <laughs> for me. <laughs> for me in that day.
1: I know we we always talk about the NFL, but I'd I'd be remiss. Just the French Open just got finished and Nadal does it again. Um he, he's he's kind of remarkable. Has there ever been a player more dominant on one court or one surface in any sport of any type like nadal is in paris
4: i can't think of anyone and what's actually was pretty remarkable and jordy you know me i'm just i'm half the time i'm sitting at home writing but i'm i'm watching tennis channel because i'm a a, a dork uh a tennis dork and it is uh he had to bail out of a tournament playing uh, well he he didn't bail out but he lost uh Dennis Shapovalov and he had that foot injury, and people were wondering, man, what's going to happen when he goes to Roland Garros? How's he going to do? Uh-huh. And all he does is just goes out and 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 tears up the field. And uh, look, he was probably pretty fortunate by some unfortunate circumstances when uh, uh, Sasha Zverev goes down with an ankle injury in the semis. But uh, then yeah. he told, he tells uh, Eurosport after the final that he had so many injections in his foot. That was numb, and he went out and beat Casper Rude three three and zero. I mean, so yeah. that's it's remarkable that's uh, how it, how uh, how he well he's done, and it, even at his age, it's it's mind blowing because he, he kind of blew Djokovic out the water two rounds. He sure before. did.
1: He sure did. Have we seen the last of Federer? When's the last time we've seen Federer play?
4: Oh, it's been a while. Um, I. I, I I, I I know he's he's probably going to be fresh when he comes back, but fresh he's got to be relatively speaking when he's thirty eight years old, yeah. thirty nine. I'm not actually sure how old he is at this point, but he's older than Nadal and Djokovic, and so uh, can he hang? I don't know, but it it seems like uh, there's there's no stopping Nadal. I mean, it's 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 pretty remarkable, and you know, it's not like Federer was on the same page as those guys when he was playing. Uh, before sustaining an injury, so it's. Uh, uh, I, I think it's. You're waiting for the youngsters to come up, but I, I think Federer is more number three on that tier as of right now. If you're going to if are right. playing right now, yeah, uh, I agree. I think Federer is definitely the third of, of those three.
1: All right, we got uh, Saints mandatory minicamp coming up next week. Um, Michael Thomas still not going to play, is he?
4: But it sounds like Dennis Allen saying that he's doubtful to play. And I mean, do you need him
5: in a minute no. camp?
4: No. to no. like him in training camp? Yes. So I think that's more of there might be concern if he's not playing significantly in, in training camp. And
1: okay.
4: are they going to limit probably his action there? Yes. You want him ready for the regular season? Yes. But you also want him to have some kind of rapport with Jameis Winston and yeah. and the offense that is now being run by Pete Carmichael. So I'm, I'm not going to go over the top, but I think people are just tired of hearing that Michael Thomas isn't going to play. Uh, and so oh, I think that, 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 yeah, that that is people are uh, rightfully a little ticked and wondering when this is going to happen. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give like one more level of let's calm down and it's for this OTA mini camp season, training yeah, camp. Okay. If he's not on Different the field story. at all, I mean that's a massive problem.
1: Right, I'm with you, Larry Holder, the Athletic. So, what is the purpose of mandatory mini camps? What do coaches, teams, what are they trying to accomplish uh, in these days, in the short period of time? What are they trying to do?
4: I think it's more about kind of indoctrinating the rookies. Players they haven't seen before, like newbies okay. like Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Lane. Okay. You know, uh, you know they weren't on the field the entire time, but they were on the field. So getting them used to kind of how things are run there. But it's definitely more the younger players, rookies, undrafted guys, people that are kind of on the bubble, and uh, you know, it's it, it's more about learning about those guys and seeing where
3: they go because
4: you're not going to learn a ton about. Offensive line play, defensive line play, because you're not in pads. You're not supposed to have be having contact, even though technically you do. But it's not trucking people, and uh, so it's it's more about kind of skill position players, younger players, you know, and and, and then getting some of those new faces kind of used to the program. And look, I, I do think that it helps the Saints in that a lot of them know how Dennis Allen and his kind of his kicks work already. So I think that's mm-hmm. actually good as opposed to just a new head coach that a lot of players are not familiar with. So at least the Saints, in that sense, are a little bit ahead of the game. But, uh, you know, okay. you really don't start to learn anything until it's basically practice four when you can throw pads on in training camp. That's right. when you start to really learn some things.
1: Right. Uh, Larry Holder, The Athletic, kind enough to join us. How would you like to be a member of the Pat Boland Trust today, knowing that, um, I don't know how many members there are in that trust, but uh, $4.65 billion to buy the Broncos, that that's, somebody's making some pretty good change off this sale.
4: Absolutely. It just goes to show you how uh, the value of NFL teams, uh, wow. it's 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 a lucrative uh, good investment, even if you're buying at $4.6 million, if you're, uh, wow. you know, the Walton family who's yeah. buying into that, guess what? That investment will probably double in like 10 years. So maybe yeah. maybe less. I don't know. So it, it's the NFL's a monster. I mean, it, it goes to show you uh, just the product it has. And, and also it helps. So I do feel like that Denver's in a, a big market, uh, people know the team. Uh, I think I don't think an NFL team would sell that much if they were the Jacksonville Jaguars, or that's right, or, or someone else. So I do think yeah. that Denver is in a spot where uh, that they know people are, thrive uh, within that market and within that team, and uh, it, you know it's won Super Bowls, and uh, they, like it's uh, uh, yeah, you knew it was going to be a big price tag, but man, it was. Uh, you know, I, for, for some of our business reporters who cover, uh, you know, sports business at The Athletic, they were definitely assuming uh, higher than $4 billion and boy, it almost
1: got to $5 billion. Unbelievable. Larry Holder of The Athletic. Um, the, that group that's buying the Denver Broncos are discussing an adver, uh, advisory role and an ownership stake with Peyton Manning. Uh, we heard and saw that Drew Brees and NBC are no longer together. Do you think, the Saints and Gail Benson would discuss an advisory role and a possible ownership stake with Drew Brees?
4: Possibly. I, you know, if there's one person who would, uh, within if you're going to attach someone to the team who is with the team, I mean, it would be him. Now, yeah. does Drew Brees have the kind of capital to be a significant part? I'm not... He might, you know, even Peyton Manning might be a small stakeholder. I mean, he right. I don't think, like, Peyton Manning doesn't have billions. <laughs> so no. it's a little, right. yeah, it's a little different. It does put a face to the franchise, and maybe that happens. Uh, I just don't know if, uh, you know, we're not talking about Peyton Manning or Drew Brees being the primary owner. I mean, we, we've seen no no, who, no, 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 no,
1: no. I'm saying maybe right. a half of a percent. You know, just Anything. <laughs> Um, well, they would, but they, just, I mean, well, uh, in other words, would they, that
4: I, it would be a good investment. So I think, yeah.
1: that, I think but more I think importantly, that would be fair, more importantly, the advisory role. Do you think he would fit in, in, in that sense?
4: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it, we can't just see what just happened at NBC and be like, all right, Drew Brees is all of a sudden a dummy. Drew Brees is no dummy. <laughs>
6: you know? Oh, that's so right. it's,
4: uh, yeah. And, and he knows how. Football operations work, and you know there's probably things he he could learn. But I wonder, uh, knowing him, he'd want to be mega hands-on. I'm I'm curious to see if that would happen uh, when mm-hmm. that happens. Uh, you know, at some point in life, if he's presented that opportunity. But that's the thing. It's if there's a if there's a player to a team that that would work out with. I think the most logical one would be Drew to the Saints, and it's funny that Peyton is connected to the Broncos uh, because it doesn't look like Jim Irsay is giving up ownership of the Colts at any point, and, you know, obviously Peyton Manning is more connected to the Colts than the Broncos, but he's definitely oh, yeah. got a, an attachment to the Broncos, uh, so it's, uh, uh, and, and, you know, him and Elway, uh, both up there, but so, yeah, if there's one player to one team that would connect and make that most sense if you're talking about ownership and having a, a taste of it. It's Drew Brees to the Saints, and it's not. It's funny. I, I'm, I just keep thinking about how Derek is attached to the Marlins. Like, how does that make <laughs> sense? I, I don't. I, I don't know how that makes sense. Like, it makes sense to me. Like that Michael Jordan has the Bobcats because he's from North Carolina. So it's, yeah. You know, but Drew would make a lot of sense to, to be attached to a new think, ownership group. Yeah. When that happens, and that's not going to happen, you know, until uh, until Gail Benson passes, really, or until right. she just decides, hey, I want I want to do it. We we've, we've already heard kind of the, uh, the 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 plan there where she's going to give back. So, and it's it's a it's an awesome plan that she's got rolled out.
1: Yeah. Um... He's got her act together, Larry Holder of the Athletic. Um, here we are in June, still no team for Baker Mayfield. New team for Baker Mayfield. Still no new team for Jimmy Garoppolo. What, what, what are your experts around the Athletic and your thoughts are on on these two and where they might be headed to, if anywhere?
4: Hmm. I, it's funny because you would think that Baker Baker would play. Baker would play if he's going to stay with Cleveland, because I, I assume that Sean Watson's going to be suspended for the entire yes. year. That's my yes. assumption. And But yet, this ba- Baker doesn't want to be a lame duck quarterback, even though you right. know he's, his contract status is kind of in limbo. So I still think that the teams that are kind of lurking out there, that even though they're not saying it publicly, I mean, I still think Carolina would make sense. I still think. Somewhere like Seattle would make sense, mm-hmm. um, and then Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he's. You're wondering how he comes back from his injury, and who wants to actually take on that contract? You know, San Francisco has been pretty transparent publicly about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo that maybe he's even still on the team, uh, but in but he's he's not the starter, or he's not going to be healthy enough. So I think that uh, it's hard to. It's hard to peg Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like going somewhere, even though I feel like teams would be more comfortable with his temperament and his success over someone like Baker Mayfield, where it's like, you know, the, who knows what the what the ceiling and the floor is with him because he's he's been so erratic in his few years in the NFL.
1: Okay, uh, Larry Holder of the Athlete, I got to ask you a college question that came down the pipeline today. That um, uh, BYU. Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida are all joining the Big 12 for the 2023-24 season. Um, that tells me, okay, we got Texas and Oklahoma still in the Big 12, supposed to come to the SEC in 2025, but that that this is going to speed up the process, isn't it?
4: You would think it would. they yeah. probably want them out <laughs> and not yeah. kind of lingering around. I mean, that's – when you've got all these teams coming in. And, yeah, I, I saw that report uh, earlier today uh, that that was happening. At, yep. and basically, they're preparing themselves one more year. And so I, I think it's kind of, like you just said, read between the lines and yeah. that Oklahoma and Texas are going to exit early. I mean, you're not yeah, going to have think, those think teams this is, just kind of lurking in there.
1: Lisa, yeah, part of the, part so. of the negotiation rights with between those two schools and the conference, look, you lower the price some, you spread it out uh, over X amount of years, and we're out of here. Uh, and I think that's what's going to happen. The other big topic is the SEC and their scheduling. I, I'd be shocked if the SEC doesn't go to a nine-game conference schedule with three permanent um, teams on your schedule. If they do, in fact, do that, who would you think, would be the best three to keep on a yearly basis for LSU?
4: Uh, can I just say like Vandy, Missouri? And no. Any other team Come on, that you're a fan same. now. You're not
1: worried know, about wins. You case. want to see the best team. What do you, and the rivalries matter. So what do you think? I Come know. on.
3: Oh, I know,
4: I know, I know. I understand. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be Alabama. I would probably think it would be Florida.
1: Really, over probably over, over an Ole Miss.
4: I Ole Miss was going to be my third team.
1: Like,
6: okay. I,
4: Ole Miss was going to be included in that. But you probably don't want to lose Auburn. It would probably be Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss. That would that would make sense to me. Mississippi, eh, but nah. I, I just think I, I think Texas A and M would make more sense.
1: Texas A and M.
4: What do you think? What do you think? I might say A and think Alabama and Ole Miss too.
1: for sure. And then after that, ah, boy, I'm having a tough time. I'm, I, I'm tired of Florida. Um, I'd, right. I'd rather see LSU and Texas. To be honest with you,
4: that would be fun. A and M closer, a little, little closer, like a smidge. Yeah, closer. Uh, huh? I, I don't think you, you probably do want to judge on proximity. Um, uh, but no, I, no. It's funny because Ole Miss was on the tip of my tongue. Uh, when you were saying that, so, okay. I mean, at Bama would have to be in there. No, no doubt about that. I think so. I think, Ole Miss, I think so. there's too much history there. I think yep. that would make sense. Yeah. But, you know, they've
1: been great yeah. games with Auburn. there have been great games with Florida. Uh, so right. I see the point uh, of, of both of those, um, A&M with the Jimbo and all that, you know, you can't base it upon that. Uh, but, um, it'll be interesting. I, I, I know what, I don't want to be the guy that has to make those decisions. Cause that's, woo. You talk about can't win for trying, right? No,
4: but I think if you're, hey, if you're LSU, I mean, like you said, you, boy, you better you stump for Vandy,
5: stump for uh, all, the, all the all the bad Every, teams.
4: Everybody
1: all those. wants Vandy. <laughs> everybody wants to play Vandy. That's awful. <laughs> it's awful. It's a great city, but man, what a dump.
4: God, Johnny, it's just because stadium. everyone has a great rivalry with Vandy. Come on, man. Yeah. It's huge rivals across the SEC, right? You
1: know what I remember about Vandy? I remember <laughs> Cecil the Diesel Collins going down with an injury, and he was never the same afterwards at Vandy with Jared DiNardo coaching him. What a stud was he was. 98? Was that 98? Something like that. Yeah, what a stud he was. Gee She whiz. Yeah, he as they come, a, but what a, a runner!
4: A trouble, a bit of a troubled soul. <laughs> yes, yeah, a bit
1: of a troubled soul. You bore yeah. Arch Manning's in Baton Rouge today, playing a little seven-on-seven football. How about that?
4: I'm not holding my breath on that one. No, nah, uh, I mean neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've always kind. Yeah, I've, I've heard through the grapevine this kind the last through the last year and a half. I mean, it, it, it that Texas would be kind of the favored spot, but I know Georgia's – I mean, it's basically – I feel like it's between Texas and Georgia. I mean, is that kind of okay. the sense you're getting?
1: I, I have no clue. I have no clue. <laughs> I, all I know is Alabama signed another kid from uh, Zachary, Eli Holstein or whatever. So Yeah. Um, no,
4: I've heard a lot of good things about him, too. Like, I've heard yeah, from people – a lot. Even more than the known or recruiting, though, that say, okay – uh, that he might be better than Arch Manning, but Arch has got the name. So
1: yeah, I I've think heard. I've, I think. I've heard exactly the same thing. That if you just weigh the if there was A and B rather than Holstein and Manning, A Holstein is the better quarterback than B Manning. But we'll see. That's why they. Well, you develop Eli, him.
4: Eli's the first name, so you might assume he's a Manning,
1: right? That's right. All right, Larry, Hilder, <laughs> you got kids to pick up, so. um Uh, We'll let you go. Oh, man, we covered everything, tennis, and we went, gee whiz, we went around the (laughs) gamut. But but it's always fun on these slow, slow summer days. But y'all have a great weekend, and thank you so much, man. All right, Jordy, always good catching up
2: with you, buddy. Take All care. All right,
1: buddy. You take care. Larry Holder of The Athletic. The Game House at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift card uh, to uh, Half Shell Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Back to wrap up our number one here on the Geordie Helper Show. All right, next home, Cutting Edge Realty is holding their annual Loot Day on this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The charity event benefits Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit that gives to those with dogs with disabilities. The event will be located at Bollier Park Dog Park at 411 West Bluebird Drive in Lafayette. A food truck, a Kona ice snow cone stand will be on site, plus music, treats, and prizes. All proceeds will be donated to Canine Companions. That's Next Home Cutting Edge Realties. Luke Day on June the 11th. You know what I love about Kona ice snow, uh, snow cone stands is uh, you control how much... Um, liquid you want on your snowball you don't get that guy or the girl behind the 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 thing that uh, skimps on the syrup so you get to control how much syrup you want and I want a lot I want a lot I really do all right coming up hour number two uh NBA talk with Rafe Rattler all things Acadiana with George Faust and we'll pick some some games and some horse races and talk a little bit Uh, with George Becknell and James Mesh. So that's coming up, hour number two on this Friday, June 10th, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for LSU and Houston Astros sports in Southwest Louisiana. Live and local. This is the game.
0: 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of
1: party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. Our number two of two on this Friday, June 10th, the year 2022 center stage. The NBA Finals game four tonight with the Boston Celtics at home leading the best of seven series. Against the Golden State Warriors, two games to one—a very pivotal game for the Warriors. Steph Curry says, "I am playing. I'm not worried about it." So let's talk some some hoops. We'll talk finals, but we'll also talk a little bit about the Pelicans with our good friend. Um, he's always busy, but he's kind enough to to give us some time today. Rafe Rattler, the co-host of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast at Pell's Pod. Rafe, how you been? Man, we've tried for days now. So glad we could hook up, man. How are you?
5: No, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on, Jordan. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy couple of days, but I'm excited to finally make it.
1: Yeah, that's great. All right. Um, uh, David Griffin was on a podcast and he said that uh, Zion Williamson is a max player and said it's an easy decision to offer him the big uh, money extension five year, one hundred and eighty one million dollar max rookie extension this summer. Um, he says it's not a big decision. It's a pretty easy decision. What do you think? Uh, I mean, he,
5: he's right on a lot of accords, right? Like when you've seen Zion play when he's actually been on the court, he's been nothing less than sensational. Um, yeah. Every opportunity that he's had a crack at. him. so the biggest thing is, is keeping him healthy. Um, you know, as far as how the contract is structured, that will be the part that I'll be paying the most attention to. Right. Um, I'm sure the Pelicans are going to put some things in place. Uh, to, to to sort of protect themselves but it's hard to deny what you've seen once the guy's been on the court
1: he did say what becomes significant as a team that's a small market team and as a team that can't make mistakes in terms of injuries over time you have to indemnify yourself in some way for that and that's fine but the decision on whether or not this is a max player is an easy one so um, I wonder, is this going to be a cut-and-dry, very easy thing, or is is Team Zion going to go, whoa, wait a minute, we want it all guaranteed, all taken under curl, and, and maybe that's where we have a, a line in the sand drawn.
5: Right. I, I think it'll be hard for them to position it that way, right? Like, even, even, you know, their camp can see, hey, the past three years, Zion's only played 85 games. It's right. hard to make that argument to demand something up front uh, when you haven't shown the ability to be healthy long term. And so, uh, if, you, if you've kind of taken a look into how Zion has been around the team this summer, he's been working out. He looks like he's in great shape thus far. It looks like he's bought in from every aspect, even, you know, he came out and said it in his post game presses. So, the fact that he's with his teammates now, the fact that he looks like he's enjoying the basketball yet again, tells me that it kind of leans like he's, he's, he's going to make this easier than not.
1: Wouldn't it be great? Um, he's showing all the signs that he wants to be a part of this team, wants to be a part of the community. Wouldn't it be great to sign this kid to this deal and to end all this speculation that, that always seems to follow uh, the great players that the Pelicans land?
5: Right. I, I mean, it would be a huge thing, right, to, 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 to piggyback off of last season and what the yeah. team was able to overcome um, and and the wins and success they were able to have in the playoffs versus the number one seed uh, in the in the in the dance. It's you know that's something you can definitely grow off. And then to add him to it and him a uh, motivated uh, Zion and in a way that you know you you've seen how quickly the the world falls in love with you and you see how quickly that they fall out of love with you. To see how dedicated he can be and, and the addition that he could bring to Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, I think the whole world's ready to see what that team can look like.
1: You brought up a great point, how quickly people can fall in love with you, how quickly they can fall out of love with you. Has anything like that happened more substantially than to what's happened with David Griffin? I mean, if you had asked me in January, <laughs> this, this bum's got to go. He's got to go. <laughs> And now all of a sudden, C.J. McCollum, and you see the development of the rookies. You see the hiring of Willie Green, and now you think, well, maybe we, maybe we got the right guy.
5: Yeah, I mean, with David Griffin, it's, it's a phrase that if you follow Pelicans at all, sustainable success is something he's aimed with and been consistent with since the beginning. Of yep. course, at the first couple cracks, did, it didn't look so great, right? Uh, yeah. You had a lot of missteps with Eric Bledsoe and the Stephen Adams, but you corrected that right away. Um, and, and, and long-term, what you're looking at is a bunch of good guys, tough-nosed guys, defensive-oriented guys that you found in the second round, that you found undrafted, um, that you found in the first round at the 17th pick to add True. to the superstars that you already have. You've got to kind of give it to them uh, in yeah. that regard to kind of handle the team. Now, how it looks moving forward the success will have to play out or you may feel the same way, you know, after next season. So uh, it'll <laughs> all be determined on if the Pelicans can stack
3: some wins together.
1: Yeah. If they're a play in team, uh, I'm I'm, I'm get that, get David Griffin out of here. Uh, they gotta be a, <laughs> a, a, in the top seven. They gotta be in there with a, with a shot, um, which takes me to later on this month with the NBA draft. We've, we've discussed this before, but when you look around I I look at the NBA finals in in particular and I, and I see I don't care who the player is. I don't care if he's 7 foot or if he's 6-4 or 6-2. I want a dude that can score on the offensive end, make good decisions, handle it, pass it, shoot it. But I want somebody that can defend on the other end. So I want the proverbial two-way player. Whoever it is, whatever size he is, I don't care. Give me a guy that can play on both ends of the court, because that's what it takes now to win in this league.
5: Yeah, uh, absolutely. So the three guys that I would probably have penciled in that area are Benedict McThurden out of Arizona, Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin, and Dyson Daniel, who was in the G League, uh, the Ignite team. Those three guys all have... Really high ceilings. Uh, Benedict yeah. is more offensively in his ability to shoot the ball, which the Pelicans desperately need. They were ranked yeah. at the bottom in that category. Johnny Davis is. You know, he was a Big Ten player of the year, so in defense is his calling card. So you know you're going to get that right out of the gate. He was able to score 20 points and lead uh, per game and lead his team in scoring, but he's still got to work a little bit on his shooting motion, but he's able to get to the cup in creative ways and power his ways from the basket. So the ceiling for him is really how he develops offensively, and then Dyson Daniels, another hard-nosed defender, long. Think of Herb Jones when you think of his ability to defend on the perimeter, and he's got a lot of craftiness and a lot of his ability to facilitate in his offensive game. It's just where can he get from a shooting standpoint? So those right. are the three the three kind of uh, key names you would probably look at around that eighth pick. How the draft falls is if the Pelicans stay put at eight or not. That's to be determined.
1: Of those three, who you think is the best fit? for what the pelicans need
5: uh... i would i would still lean with benedict Mathurin. Um, again you gotta kind of think of trey murphy but at the guard position right he's a guy who absolutely can fill it up from behind the your arc as a freshman, he averaged 41% from three on about five shots per game. As a sophomore, 38% from three. There wasn't more than one Pelican that was over 37% from three last season. So, <laughs> that's And that's right. T.J. McCollum. So um, if you look for a team that's going to have Zion, that's going to have C.J., that's going to have uh, B.I., that's going to have J.V., guys that can create and score on their own, there's going to be a lot of open shots for guys coming off the bench trying to find their way and being able to do things offensively. So if you're going to have open shots Give me the guy who's a steady three-point shooter and let him build offensively okay. from there.
1: I'm with you. Um, uh, Rafe Radler with us. I, I th- you know, The return of Zion and this team staying healthy obviously is um, the most important aspect to the success of this team. But besides that, I think, I think the development from year one to year two of Trey Murphy is going to be, Very, very significant. How big of a leap does he take um, confidence-wise, offensively-wise, you know, the whole gamut, how much he improves, I think is going to be so significant uh, to the success of this team. Agree or disagree?
5: Oh, absolutely. I I think you saw... As the, the year kind of teetered on, and obviously the peak of it was Trey Murphy in that, that pivotal Lakers game when the Pelicans came back from beyond 20 at home. Um, you saw the development. You saw the growth. It may not have happened as quickly as Pelicans fans would like, but you saw right. him being able to put the ball on the floor a little bit better, be able to defend a little bit better. So by the end of the season, You've got him seeing minutes in the, in, in the first round of the playoffs as a rookie who hadn't yeah. played for the majority of the season. So wow. uh, his development is going to be crucial to this team. He's the best shooter on this team, a pure shooter. He led all rookies in, in three-point percentage. And so if that guy continues to grow at the pace that Willie Green has seen to get the best out of every single player thus far on the roster, the sky's the limit for where that second unit could be and how the Pelicans thrive yeah, altogether as a roster.
1: I'm with you, Rafe Rattler, co-host of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast at Uh, Your quick thoughts on uh, the finals uh, with Boston leading two games to one, game four tonight at uh, the TD Garden.
5: Yeah, I think tonight will be a, another tough-nosed battle. I, I don't think the Warriors are, are, are going to necessarily back down from the fight. No. Um, this whole time, you know, you, you probably felt leaving game two that the Warriors should be up 2-0. But you probably also felt that the Celtics are probably the better team, right? They're able to mm-hmm. defend one through five. You've got Robert Williams on a, a a bad leg, getting four blocks in the game, playing pivotal minutes. You've got Al Horford in eight threes. You've got different guys from their team stepping up offensively, and they've really been able to kind of keep everyone at bay uh, for the most part. you got Stephen foul trouble in game three, and and Clay didn't really show up until game no, three, and didn't. Draymond yeah. has been Draymond. So, Um, it'll be an interesting kind of battle throughout the series. I think it's going to go to at least six or seven. Uh, but my best thought is the Celtics come out uh, on top.
1: I just see Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, The, the Warriors have no one that can get in their way to stop them from going wherever they want to go. And then you got to get players that cheated and help. And now you kick it out. Marcus smarts knocking down everything. Um, all their other players are knocking down shots, so the the Warriors and, and they're a good defensive club, but their inability to right. stop Tatum and Brown is has been the difference in my book.
5: Yeah, absolutely. If you if you look at the series. The thing that glares out is the size and the athleticism. The Warriors have a lot of guys who are more finesse and the ability to shoot the ball and create that way, whereas the Celtics are some hard-nosed guys that can defend, that are all strong, that all have length, that can all uh, kind of move their feet to one part or another, whether it's a guard wing or big man, right? And so you see them kind of using their size and kind of going at will. you saw Robert Williams really destroying the boards last night over Draymond. And it's really something I'm not sure if the Warriors have an answer for, for for three more wins. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, But yeah, I mean, thus far, the Celtics have been the stronger, more dominant team.
1: You know, you mentioned uh, Williams. Uh, In my perfect wish list for the Pels, they need a great outside shooter. And boy, I wish they could get somebody that could, could protect the rim defensively like this Williamson. I mean, like, uh, robert williams the can do they boy, somebody that when when you're driving in there you're looking out the corner of your eye where is he where is he mm-hmm. um i don't know if zion's that player uh but i would sure like to have one like that
5: yeah um i see i i, I look at zion and the way he plays it's almost more of a of a Guard wing type than it is a, a, a forward center with type. You. And so I'm not sure if he's ever going to be um, this paint protector or anything like that. But when I'm, you look at the Pelicans roster, if they don't make a move in free agency or anything like that, I could see a Larry Nance taking another step because you got to remember he was hurt um the majority of the time yep. as, his, as a Pelican, but he was able to kind of offer some pivotal moments. Uh, in the playoffs, another, another leap of growth from Jackson Hayes. Maybe you get that type of lesson. There were times when Jackson was very good defensively, but the size of bigger centers and things like that have been reasons why he's been kept off the court. So a combination of those two or maybe some move in free agency would absolutely do the Pelicans
1: well. Rafe, I'm so glad we got to talk. I really, really value your opinion, and and you do a great job. And thank you so much. I hope you have a great weekend, man, and uh, relax a little bit. But always fun to talk hoops with you, man. Really appreciate it.
5: Absolutely.
1: Thank you for having me on, Jordy. You got it, buddy. Rafe Radler, kind enough to join us here today. And speaking of today, uh, might be the day that you finally decide to join up and sign up for the Game Clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection the way you love it. Tremendous sides and desserts and so much more. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. Or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. Take a quick time out here when we come back. Fridays with Faust. Yes, indeed. George Faust from KLFY here on The Jordy Helper Show. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We'll be back. There's
0: no better way to wrap up the work week than talking with the man regarded as the king of Acadiana sports media, KLFY sports director George Faust. It's time for Fridays with Faust. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: George, what's happening, buddy? What are you doing? Are you driving the kids around or what are you doing right now, man?
3: Uh, right now I am actually at the house chilling like a villain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh super, super regional play underway. Let me update everybody. One game uh, in the books, East Carolina beat Texas 13 to 7. Uh one other game underway, bottom of the 4th, Oklahoma 3, Virginia Tech 0. Of course, George doesn't care about any of that until Saturday when his vaunted <laughs> Ole Miss Rebels head to Hattiesburg. It's so funny. Um, everybody was was come in. Mike Bianco, he's gone. He ain't gonna make it through the season. Now he's got him in a super regional, uh, yeah. and now well, they love him again. Two wins
3: away from the College World Series. It's it's crazy how this business is, that business is right. Uh, yeah. It happens, uh, and it's interesting. Virginia Tech. I was I was just watching that. Um, and Virginia Tech is coached by John Sheff and he used to be an assistant for the Raging Cajuns, so um on the Tony Roberts show. So yeah, okay. he, he i I was watching that with a little bit of interest, uh just because I, I'd like to see them uh get get a, get through to the, to the uh, college world series uh then uh, there'd be somebody to pull for.
1: Yeah, if Oklahoma, Oklahoma baseball <laughs> if Oklahoma baseball's half as good as Oklahoma softball, my gosh, what a juggernaut they right. are. Right. Yeah, really. I mean, look,
3: it was it was almost like it was Oklahoma, and then you know, good luck if you if you if you uh, you're facing up against us because there's nobody who can who can put up as much as we can. So yeah, I I didn't watch a whole lot of that, but I did no, see me that they were just
1: dominant dominant. Got, so yeah, I didn't know that. They got some girl from Hawaii that all she does is hit home runs. <laughs> I it like every time she comes up to bat, gone, gone, gone. <laughs>
3: Well, that, that's a good thing to have, I guess, uh, yeah. especially in uh, in softball, man. He, all you gotta do is get it up in the jet stream, and you got you got uh, you got some ch- you got a chance.
1: <laughs> George, uh, I, I talked about this, and I want your opinion of it. I I feel, um, albeit in losses, I feel I feel really good about the future of LSU baseball, and I feel really good mm-hmm. about the future of the Raging Cajuns baseball. I, I think I think they got the right guys running the ship. And they those kids play hard, uh, and I think the future is going to be great.
3: I I think you're right. I think LSU's in, in a good spot. I really do. I I know they they really believed that they were going to win. Uh, I, I know uh, listening to Gavin Dugas talk about uh, the game and how how emotional he got after that loss to Southern Miss, uh, it, it just I, I can tell the program you know is, is not that it was in bad shape, but I can tell they they're, they're they're where they need to be, and uh, and with, with regards to the Cajuns, I, I had a chance to talk to Matt Deggs. I'm going to have a one-on-one conversation with him on Sunday night on uh, Cajun Nation, and you know he's really happy about where this program is and how how much they've how far they've come over the past few years. You know it's been it's been rough, and he, he said this before that you know it's like a uh, he's only been the head coach technically. It seems like for like a year and a half, although it's been about almost three at the end of the third year. But you know, with the with the pandemic and all that that happened, it was, and then uh, you know, Coach Robe, it, all that kind of balled up, and it just he never really had uh, a chance to kind of hit the ground running, so to speak. And and finally, he's kind of getting to where he feels this program can consistently compete. And, and look, they, they were they were left, uh, you know, dead to rights, right? And, and then all of a yeah. sudden uh, stormed through, and the, the only way they're getting into the tournament is to win the conference, and they did that. And, uh, so there's a lot to build on, and I think you're right. I think the Cajuns and the Tigers, both of them, I think they do feel like they're in good spots with regards to coming up uh, in in the next couple of years. And, and I, I, I'm anxious to see what the Cajuns can do because I think they, they really have uh, – they have some guys that are going to come back, and and uh, and it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, that that's that's one of the things Coach Deggs kept kept kind of harping on is that you know we've got some guys coming back. If they come back and if they're they're stay healthy, they should have have a solid squad in the future here.
1: George Faust, K L F Y. The Cajuns uh, football team picked up a commitment from a uh, Homa native, former Terrebonne High School star uh, who went to Lamar University. Uh in Chaz Ward, is there was there a need at running back? Um uh, wh- wh- what's the deal with this? Yeah, yeah I,
3: I actually think they that is a position they, they might need a little bit more depth at, so that's probably a good thing. Uh uh, you know, Montreal Montrell Johnson, your boy from De La Salle goes to Florida with Billy Napier and then yeah. uh the, a couple of other guys bail out and Monty Bailey goes to TCU. There there's some guy there's some spots there that I'm sure coach uh Desimo really thinks you know there's an opportunity for a guy like that uh who has some college experience to be able to come in and and contribute right away and and you know that's that's the name of the game these days in college football you know you, yeah. you, you get your get your opportunity make the most of it
1: you know we talk about uh NILs and we, we you know we always talk about the LSU's the Alabama's the Texas and all is there any um is there any collective working with with UL and 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 getting money inside of that collective to help with NIL for Cajun athletes? Yeah,
3: you know, I, I know that uh, that the athletic department, uh, Dr. Maggard and those guys, they have a, a system in place uh, that, that it kind of it's relatively new from what I can gather, but they, to help the athletes and the student athletes make sh- yeah, access uh whatever's out available for them i i i'm not sure if there's anybody on the team right now that actually has uh you mm-hmm. know uh, a an NIL deal that that is eye i popping or anything like right. that but i i do know that they're they they work with the athletes to improve their brand and stuff like that on social medias mm-hmm. and stuff and and things of the like but um yeah the only guy i can think of was Levi Lewis who had he he got something with the Lafayette uh uh tourism i believe uh food right. uh, vendor uh, that's yeah. the only one i can think of off the top of my head but uh other than that i haven't heard anything with regards to somebody you know like uh Booty and uh Tyron uh uh uh, uh Lacy uh those yeah. guys that went to lsu and they got hooked up with Gordon McKernan or whatever and they doing those right. commercials and stuff like that yeah, but Gordon but get I her heard done anything baby like that that's it it, right george
1: george faust klfy the big talk um is about scheduling in the sec we see where the big 12's got four new teams coming on board in 2023 which tells me texas and oklahoma are going to be into the sec before 2025 for sure but how quickly they do we'll see um and then we're talking about scheduling, and, and I'd be shocked if the SEC doesn't do a nine-game conference schedule with three permanent teams year in year out. You're an Ole Miss guy. Who are the? You got to have Ole Miss, Mississippi State, but who are the other two teams that are important to Ole Miss fans?
3: I think LSU is one, uh, yeah. and probably I, I, I mean I would say Alabama probably too. I mean, not not historically, but I, in, in the recent history. I think that's been a good a good matchup. I mean, Alabama's obviously got the got the better of it a few times, but right. uh, Ole Miss has kind of sprinkled but, in some wins. But everybody, I, I, I think people enjoy playing Alabama. If you're from Ole Miss, you know you you enjoy that 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 trip to Tuscaloosa or Birmingham or wherever they're going to play you. Well, here's uh, the problem.
1: It, it, here's the problem with that. When you look at Alabama, yeah. well, you got to have Auburn. Auburn, you yeah. Got to have Tennessee. And yep, that's a big one. Do you have LSU? So if, if you yeah. can't get better, uh, yeah. who's number three for Ole Miss? And don't tell me Vanderbilt, doggone it. Do not tell me
3: that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go with Vandy. No, <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. Maybe Arkansas, I, you know, I, that, that'd that be an interesting uh, interesting one. Uh, uh,
1: so yeah, it's, e- I mean, it's not Arkansas, easy, you know what but, I'm saying?
3: No, no, it's not at all. Not at all. I mean, Maybe Tennessee. I don't know. There's, I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, maybe Auburn. Maybe Auburn's maybe that, Auburn. that other one. They always they always play Auburn. Uh, that's an interesting contest too, because the the coaching dynamic that used to be with Tuberville and Ole Miss and Auburn, and so there there was some rivalry there. Um, so maybe maybe that maybe that instead of Alabama, maybe Auburn and then LSU, and then uh, obviously Mississippi State.
1: That, they, yeah, uh, right. That's, a,
3: that's an interesting question. A good, good one to think about.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not as easy as you think. Um, they announced right. the uh, upcoming SEC Media Days, which begin Monday, July eighteenth. Day one in the yeah. leadoff hitting role, Brian <laughs> Kelly of LSU it. hitting yeah, second, yeah. Lane Kiffin and third. It's pretty humorous, but they their team sucks. Uh, is Eli Drinkwitz <laughs> at Missouri?
3: Drinkwitz. I mean, that's he's funny, funny um, but nobody cares. Right. I mean, Lane Kiffin's going to draw a crowd. Brian Kelly, obviously, because of people, he's at LSU, that's going to be huge. And then, but it's then, day
1: one, the first one, so everybody. But guess who's last? Guess who's dead last? When everybody wants Nick to Saban? just get out of town because they're sick and tired of it. Jimbo Nick Fisher, <laughs> oh really? How About that. <laughs> Yeah. Is,
3: is that is that is that in atlanta or is that in uh birmingham this year i
1: think it's in birmingham i
3: think yeah i think last I'm... year they went to atlanta if i if which was like the first time in forever
1: yeah i think they're but going uh i think they're heading back but I, I don't quote me i'm not positive about that um right right, right. i understand I, I, that's why see. i asked I, I didn't know yeah i'll uh, have to i'll have to do yeah, research yeah. on that and figure it out all right. Uh, thank our, you for chilling like a villain with us today. I appreciate that.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, man.
1: All right, <laughs> a enjoy the Friday weekend. afternoon here. I, I hope but, you have the weekend off.
3: I do, actually. I do. I got to oh. get to watch uh, my son play a little baseball. And then, uh, uh, yeah, this kind of my daughter, my, my little four-year-old daughter, her birthday's tomorrow. So Meredith turns five and, uh, she's the caboose and yeah, That's we're going to, awesome. we're going to, you know, she, all she I'm wants a- right now is donuts. I think I can say ah, that.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> she, I, she keeps I telling us. I want donuts, donuts. Donut holes, chocolate covered with sprinkles. I, I know all about it. I, I, I'm going to be here in you- Youngsville Sunday early at that sports right. complex for a little beach volleyball tournament.
3: Oh, nice. nice. That. You play it or you watch it?
1: No, my daughter's going to be a freshman in high school. And she, I'm telling you, I'm not a bragging father, but I'm telling you, she's really good. I think I got a chance to get some free college tuition out of this deal.
3: Yeah, Hey, and probably at LSU, they got a good program too, man. Yeah, uh, there we'll you
1: see. go. Uh, whoever is the best bidder, whoever gives her the most NIL money, I'm in. NIL. I'm the same way,
3: Jordy. I'm the same way. You want my
1: son to come play with me? What you got? Uh, What you got? (laughs) Show me. Show me the money. I mean, show me the NIL. Anyway, um, George, thank you, man. Have a great weekend. All right. You too, Jordy. Good talking to you. Take care. Tune in
3: next
0: week to Jordy Holtberg for Fridays with Faust here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
4: Fight time!
0: You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws, Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side, he's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field, going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up, at a goner! You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: 37 minutes after the hour on a Friday. That's when I get my boys together. And we talk and we laugh and we cut up and have some fun. Um, James Mesh back in the game studios as our producer and my good friend, George Becknell. Let's see where George is today. How are you, my friend?
7: Hey, Jordan, how you doing, my brother?
1: (laughs) Okay, we got the phone working. We got the fence here in the backyard. You you are the master of technology. So thank you.
7: I'm over here in uh, Six Flags over Georgia. I said, I said, man, look, I can't let my brother down. I'm gonna take time out and we and we go and we go do my favorite part of the week.
1: Oh man, well, I appreciate it. Um, thank you very much. You look like you're chilling, man. You're you relaxed, got the shades on, got the umbrella. You're staying out of the heat. That's very, very, uh, very, very smart. Um, I, I've been talking about this all week. I, I'll start with you and get your opinion. If the SEC goes to a nine-game conference schedule with three permanent teams on your schedule. Who do you want LSU to have as their three permanent teams?
7: Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt, no hesitation. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M.
1: That's who I want. That's the three. Mississippi State? Are you ducking Alabama?
7: Oh, I'm absolutely ducking Alabama. I'm sick of them. Like, (laughs) Like, let Alabama have Auburn and Tennessee and whoever the hell else they want. Man, look, I'm tired of them. Yes, we're ducking Alabama
1: okay James let me ask you this one uh well while well I well I just ugh, Mississippi State gross can't stand them anyway uh,
7: the those
1: okay we're better than that George come on now James with the news <laughs> uh with the news today of BYU Cincinnati Houston and Central Florida joining the Big 12 in the 2023 season what are what are your thoughts about Texas, Oklahoma, and their departure from the Big Twelve to the SEC?
6: Come on down, love that Evans. now and now if you could, man, yeah, well. love love some new comp. Yeah, you
1: can't do it now, but do, yeah, you'll, you you have have the... a, you'll have to wait till
6: you'll have to wait till about twenty twenty five, if I'm not mistaken.
1: That, yeah, well, it, it comes down to dollars and cents mm-hmm. and how much the exit fee is. Um, but I think there's some negotiation now room here because you don't want to have one year where you have a 14-school schedule and then the next year it goes down
6: to 12, right? So yeah, it, it'd don't, don't be you want to
1: get this thing over with?
6: Yeah, you definitely want to get it out the way and you don't have that awkward time period where you have a year or two where you have 14, then you go back to 12, or you end up being at 10 and then go back to 12. Yeah, it's like... Texas, Oklahoma don't want to be there. The Big 12 doesn't want
1: them there, but they got to come to a compromise on dollars and cents, plain and simple. So we shall see. George, game four, NBA Finals tonight. What are you thinking about the Finals and who you got tonight in Boston?
7: Well, Jordan, it's hard for me to go against the Celtics right now. If you look at the way Golden State is playing, the only consistent player has been Steph Curry. You know, Clay Thompson's been subpar. They need big games from Wiggins and Poole. They haven't gotten it. And look, it's about time. I don't know if anybody else has said this, but Draymond Green has been absolutely terrible. I mean, he has been awful. Like, he's just out there because he was part of the first three titles. So he's a liability on the court. Boston's getting buckets from everywhere. They're getting getting guys contributing. They're getting guys off the bench making shots. I don't see Boston losing another game at home, which, you know, Golden State can heat up at any time, but based off what I've been watching, you've got to go with the Celtics in uh, game four.
1: Yeah, uh, Draymond, apparently he's got a podcast, and apparently he's more interested in the podcast than than playing and doing what he does, and when he does do something, it's always that guy. He's trying to be a Dennis Rodman, but Dennis Rodman goes and gets you 22 rebounds, and Draymond gets you two or three. Right?
7: Right. He's got 15 points and 15 fouls in this series, so I guess that's his double double. That's right,
1: <laughs> James. Um, if Boston wins and Steph Curry keeps playing like he's playing, could you see Steph Curry being the MVP on the losing side?
6: No, I can't see it because Tatum okay. Tatum is still getting his, and so is Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's been an ISO monster Ooh. this whole series. Yeah, so yeah. it. Yeah. You you can't, you can't, you can't get rid of either of them if they win. Yeah. It's happened
1: once or twice in the history of the league, I believe. Um, and oh, by the way, for the record, George Faust, I know you're listening. Uh, the sec media days are back at the college football hall of fame in Atlanta. So error turnover on my part, it is back in Atlanta, uh, for another year. So good for them. Good for them. Um, where Brian Kelly's going to be leading off the SEC media days. How about that? Get the new guy in first and foremost.
7: Absolutely, I think he's the most interesting story outside of this Jimbo Sabin beef in in uh in S- in the SEC right now. You know, he's a new coach. He's a big name that came to the SEC, and he's been working this transfer portal like nobody's business. So I would I want to hear from Brian Kelly, even if I was an LSU fan.
1: There you go? Um, what's your confidence level, James, in Brian Kelly, and and do you, you know, they 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 got the over unders on wins. LSU's picked to win seven games this year. What what what's your viewpoint on that, James Mesh?
6: I feel like I got to hammer the over. I'm not gonna overdo it and be like, oh, they're gonna go eleven and one or whatever. But I feel like yeah. the the nine win mark feels a lot more realistic. Okay. I don't feel I don't I think I feel, that, I don't I think feel like you doable. should over. I don't think you should overdo it because. Like Jay Johnson and other coaches, you got to give them a few years and let them establish themselves. But I feel like this will be a good rebound year after being 500 the last two. Okay,
1: if you win yep. nine, you get to a bowl game. You win that, then you get double digit wins. That that's that's a heck of a start. I know where George is going with this. one. I right, go ahead and tell me,
7: oh, it's absolutely the over, Jordy. Look, I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> because think about it, LSU has not had a football coach since 2004. So if you think about it, it hasn't been a real football guy, and you got two national championships and countless eight, nine-win seasons. Brian Kelly can come here and win you eight, nine games with the with the talent he's had and the way he's worked the transfer portal. This is going to be a solid football team. I'm with James. I'm not saying they're going to win the national title or they're going to win 11 games or anything like that, but I'd be surprised if this team doesn't win nine games, including the bowl game.
1: You know what I I think is going to happen? I'm with both of you on this one. Um, I think, Ellis, you can fall out of bed and win eight games. I I just do with the talent that they have. Exactly. But I think this is going to be a team that is going to be so um, fundamentally sound, going to be so smart on the field. It's going to be like year two or three when Saban was here, they, are going to be you no know, offside penalties and false starts right. and all, you know, they, they're going to be disciplined. They're not going to beat themselves. Hallelujah! Uh, and again, it all comes down to who's going to be the best quarterback. And are they going to be consistently good? They don't have to be great. They have to be consistently good. And, uh, so I, I I'm so, I think the defense will be fine. I really do. Uh, offense, I got I to gotta see. I don't know. We got to see. There's a lot of question marks running back-wise, other than Kayshawn Butte. There's some question marks there, tight end, question mark. Uh, but I, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay. Are we, George, are we underselling the New Orleans Saints this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know,
7: everybody's hard on Jameis Winston, but look at it like this. The Saints last year won nine games. They have an elite defense. They managed to keep that defense together, and they had no offense. Look, you make Taysom a tight end. You go get your Juice Landry. You go get draft Olave. You got Camarian Ingram coming back. You got a healthy quarterback, and then oh, by the way, you got your All Pro, All World wide receiver coming back. This is a very good roster. I, I, I don't. There's no. There's not three teams in the NFC better than the New Orleans Saints. There's not. So I think everybody's underselling them, and I love it like that. They're gonna surprise a lot of people.
1: All right, James, you feel the same way, or you feel differently?
6: Oh, I feel very much the same. I think this team will go at about twelve and five, if, if the way I see it. I mean, yeah. the the over under is I think seven games. It's the same thing as LSU, but the way I, I mean, with Sean Payton, like they, it feels like they value him that much as a coach, and like he. Pretty much yeah. has decides five games by himself. But if you look at it, you get Jameis back. You got new weapons for him. You are getting a new tandem in safeties, but you are getting Will Lutz back. And it feels like get, having that solid and reliable kicker can decide point. two or three games just Good. by itself. So it yeah, feels he like might
1: be the most it might be the most valuable get back guy that uh, the Saints get back this year. I, I'm with you 100. Um, percent I, I just think. I mean, we may hear uh, the dome patrol again, you know, with the way defense ruled the roost. Uh, I just think, I'm telling you, I don't know where there's a weak spot on this defense. I, I just, if they stay healthy, man, it's going to be hard to, to do some things against these guys because they, they can cover you on the back end. we got good pass rushers up front. Uh, and Demario Davis is just a stud. So I, yes. I, I think this defense is top, top shelf. You got a great kicking game. I'm 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 amazed and I'm I'm with James. Uh the value of the coach aspect in this thing. I understand. And Sean Payne's terrific. But man, alive, let the players play. I'm I'm taking the over on the wins and bring on Tampa by the bay, huh, George? Bring them on.
7: I mean, Tom Brady, I'm still waiting for Tom Brady to score from the last Tampa game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, he, he couldn't score. He could score a point. You know? I I'm just saying. Okay. He threw – he's thrown more interceptions last year than touchdowns against the Saints, you know. So, Yeah. All is right. he the greatest quarterback
1: ever? Yeah, but all the Saints' defenses, it's kryptonite. I'm just all saying. Right. I'm not – I like I'm it. I'm ready. Right. Here's your favorite part of the show. I'm going to let you uh, – I'm going to go to James first because here's, here's, here's your favorite. Um, they got the Belmont Stakes on Saturday. <laughs> Third leg of the Triple Crown. There's not going to be a Triple Crown winner, but we have the Kentucky Derby winner, Rich Strike is uh in it he's uh he's not 80 to 1 odds this time he's seven to two so james 2. um of the eight horses out there james give me the winner
6: oh man i'm, I'm looking at it right i'm looking at it right now and my boy skippy long stocking did not do it for me last time no i'm i might have to go with mo Donegal this time okay I- i'm gonna take him with
1: my uh, with our handicapper uh, michael Bateshock picked uh mo donagle uh to win this thing um, and who else he had, uh, uh, he, I think he had, we, the people, we, the people in second and Rick strike in third. So, um, give me a, give me a winner there, George, come on, man, make up for your past flaws. George, I, look, I know, I know Rick
7: strike is, is fourth in a lot of these polls, but I'm going to Rich strike. And I'm going to tell you why Sonny Leon, that's going to be my, that's going to be my jockey. I believe in him. <laughs> He left a lot of money on the table over the years. Not tomorrow. He's gonna get his bread. Give me a rich strike. I'm
1: gonna go with the guy who earned over a million dollars handicapping horses, and he was the best in the world at it for a year. Uh, and he's always in the money. Now I'm going with what Michael Bateshock told me. He says Mo Donegal is the best horse in the field for this for this race, which is uh, <laughs> uh, their sprint races. This is kind of like a marathon. So I'm gonna go with Mo. Show me some Mo, Mo Donegal to win the Belmont. Um, all right. What else, guys? Anything else we want to talk about? What you, doing
6: in, what you doing
7: in
1: Georgia? Kirby Smarts recruited you or something?
7: Nah, man. You know, I believe Purple and Gold. Uh, so I'm part of the 100 Black Men of Metro Baton Rouge. Yeah. And we took some kids this week 48 kids on a tour. We took them from Memphis to Nashville to D.C. Wow. Now we didn't land we're coming back home.
1: That is awesome. That is awesome, man. That's terrific. Uh they couldn't have a finer leader than you. That's awesome. James, what you got planned for the that. week? What you got planned for the weekend, James?
6: Uh, after I get done with everything over here, I'm gonna
1: head to Toledo Bend. Who you know, I do like to eat fish. Nice. I don't like to catch them i don't have the patience but i do (laughs) like to eat them yeah so you know if if you go you know if you catch too much for your family to eat uh uh,
6: throw you throw your boy a fish this way Uh what are you trying to catch there oh whatever whatever i can get i think we're mainly going to look for catfish okay
1: all right very good i don't know anything about fishing tried it (laughs) once guys when i was a kid with my Five minutes, nothing happened. I said, "Dad, this is the most boring thing in the world. Can we go do something else?" <laughs> and that was that was the end of my fishing life. I know people love it. God bless. I'm thankful for y'all doing it. That is awesome. I just uh, that's why it's hard for me to watch a baseball game on TV. It's got to be faster. It's be faster. <laughs> All right, George, have a safe trip back home, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll buddy. On, All right, man. Thank you so All much right for taking time out to join us. I really appreciate it. James, you as well. well All right, buddy. We'll, uh, let me read this real quick. Uh, Trail is putting on a free all-day event Saturday, June 18th at Cafe 20.3 at 1500 General Mouton. In addition to free paddling, there will also be a party featuring live music to help out the Mile Zero Heroes by raising awareness and funds to build the new Teach for Park and Boat Launch, at Mile Zero of the Vermilion River. Donations and sponsorships are welcome. Trail will match up to $20,000 in donations. For more information, visit www.latrail.org. What a great cause. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Finishing touches this Friday edition of the Jordy Helpert Show on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers, the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana.